Hi, welcome to We're Not Sisters Internet Sleuths, episode six. Today oh. we've got two cases for you all. Interesting cases. I mean, I can. mine is interesting. I don't know if yours will be yet. I'll let well, you know. why would you assume that mine might not be interesting? Who's to know? That's a bit rude. Why Dude, would I pick a boring I'm high case? on paracetamol. <laughs> Everybody, go get your vaccines. Yeah. If you haven't already. We're Pfizer Hell yeah, we are. I got mine today. Elena got hers yesterday. We vibing yeah. right now. We vibing with a, with a, her arm, but we vibing nonetheless. My arm doesn't hurt. Hopefully it won't. But I'm... I feel like it will. It's fine. It's just three days of fine. I'd rather have a sore arm than COVID. So I'm just walking around with just an arm that I'm not using. That was me when I got my tattoo, like oh, yeah. in the bath, because you're not meant to like soak it in water oh. when it's fresh, because it can like rise out of your skin. Yeah. Ugh. If it's like soaked mm. in water too long when you just had it done, like it will literally like lift out of your skin if it's um in water for too long. Oh no, sir. Which was a thing that I didn't know would happen, but apparently it's a thing. Oh, okay. But I don't know how true that is, but that's well, what I've been told. Better to be safe than sorry. Yeah. It's still not good for it either way. So Yeah. Sick one. Well. Yeah. I'm going first today. Yes. What is your case? Take it um, away. My case, if I can say the name again. I don't know why I struggle with the name, because it's not even a difficult name. I'm um, Feliska. Axe murders. The Liska axe murders. I think it's the skusk. Yeah, it just looks weird. You know when a word has like an I, then two L's, then an I, and then an S, and then a C, and then an A. I'm just going to spell the word. And you know when a word has A, B, C, D, E, F, T, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, V. You know? You know when? You know when words oh, have God. letters in them? Shut up, man. Dude. <laughs> You set yourself up for that one. Oh, I did. I realised what I was doing as I was spelling the word. <laughs> oh, anyway. Okay. Before we start, we just want to let everyone know that we don't mean any offence to anyone that we talk about. And this is just research that we've done on these cases. And now we want to share with you guys. Uh, Do you yeah. have any particular content warnings you want to give? Um, mine's a bit brutal, axe murders, you know. Mm. Mm. Mine uh, is not particularly gruesome. Without further ado, take Let's it away. Go. Yeah. Okay, so if you see me, if you see me reading, I'm um, reading. Also, if you see me wincing, I'm wincing in pain. <laughs> don't my, don't mind me. I am fine. I just got a. It's fine, it's fine. Um, okay, so it's called the Axe Murders because it was in Velisca in Iowa. Wow. In was 1912. 1912, this is, a, this is an mm. old one. Back oh. when Axe Murders were all the rage. That's Friendly. not even a joke, they were. They were. 
Yeah, I feel like that's so true. Because there was that Cleveland Torso murder guy. Remember the one who was like, if you're not playing jazz, <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah, come yeah. and kill and you. Like, use um, people's axes from like their sheds and stuff. Imagine being killed with your own axe. I've never seen an axe in person before. They're a bit spooky ooky. Uh, I feel like people don't really have reasons to own axes anymore. I'd be asking you all sorts of questions if you had an axe. Just to let you know. What? Why? As in, why do you have an axe? What do you use the chop, axe for? Chop branches. For what? The fire, fire that you have in your house? Yeah, for the chimney. Hmm. Or for the barbecue, or maybe a bonfire. Mm. I don't have... Actually, I'm... I might have an axe. I'm not sure. There's <gasps> one, one, but it's not mine. Oh. I think it was here when we moved in. Oh. No, as in like the like the old lady, like just all her gardening stuff. That's what I mean. It's a haunted axe. Confirmed. Okay. Good. Okay. So, Josiah Moore. He's the man. So I have had a lot of paracetamol today. So if I come across really rude and not sympathetic to people that have died, I don't know where I am. Um, you're welcome. So he was, <laughs> he was um, Velisca's most prominent businessman. Ooh, Business in the 1912. Friend. It was booming in that small little town. Um, mm -hmm. He had a wife called Sarah and he had four children. We have... Herman, he was 11. Catherine was Fortunate name. Boyd. Is that how you say that name? Like, Boyd? it's literally boy and then a D. Yeah, I think so. Boyd, he was seven. And then Paul was five. I was, was going to comment being like, that name is pronounced Boyd. It's French Boyd. or something. Not that. No. And then Paul was five. We like Paul. Um... So they purchased their house in 1903, and it's it was like a really traditional, like colonial home, and it was quite small for their family, to be honest. Um, and it was built in the 1860s. Just a little bit of history for you there. Thank you. Um, yeah, there were three bedrooms and one bathroom. So they had like one for the parents, and then two, and then three, and then. Because there was a spare bedroom. So I think all the kids were in one room, if I'm honest, actually. Why would they do that? I don't. You have to ask them when you Why would you not them. put two and two if they're complaining that they didn't have enough space? You literally have I, a whole I, spare bedroom. I didn't get a chance to ask them that. Sorry. Uh, get the Ouija board out. Let's go ask them. No, I will never. I will never touch <laughs> No, I'm name. joking. I would never use a Ouija board. Do you know my side note? My mum used one, and it told her how she was going to die. Will she I tell me? No, don't like that. I neither do I. She said her. Oh, she wasn't. She didn't touch it. Her friends were touching it, and then because she wasn't touching it, they asked the ghost. Oh, how? Imagine if I was like you, Greta, come and touch friend. and you said no, and I was like, okay, ghost, how is Greta going to die? Like, I was like, the ghost is telling me, but not you. Ha 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 ha. Except she knows, but I don't. Anyway, um, okay, cool. Three bedrooms, one bathroom. On a Sunday afternoon in June of 1912, the Moore family were going to attend a children's day service at the church. Like a Sunday service, but it was like a presentation kind of afternoon because the kids are holy. Yes. 
they had a neighbour, I don't know if it was to the left or the right of them, but they also had a family of like kids of a similar age. And they had two daughters. Uh, Lena was 12 and Ina was eight. Lena and Ina? Yeah. Okay. Moving on. on and not, we cannot laugh at that. And, Why did they lie? Uh, I can't sorry. Sorry, Lena. I'm, I'm just laughing at the fact that their names rhyme and their sisters. Gives me the um the Tom and Jerry vibes from the the big man. <laughs> what was it, Tom and um? No, it was Tom and. God, I don't remember. One of them sorry. was a girl's name. Yeah, like Jerry was a girl's name instead of Jerry, but I Who can't think cares? of the girl's name. All I can think of is Kerry, but it wasn't Kerry. I don't think it was Kerry. Um, yeah, anyway, so those two girls asked their parents if they could go to the Children's Day service with the Moore family. And they said yes. So they went along and it was basically, so Sarah, the wife, was like the director of the Sunday school. So they'd like sing songs, they'd do presentations and stuff. It was all so much fun. The service ended and the, all the parents and the kids, they were like chatting until about 9.30 at night bunch of hooligans asking me out at 9 30 who do they think they are in their in their defense they couldn't leave until everyone else left if they were hosting the party even if they wanted to leave they couldn't go i would tell everyone to get lost party's (laughs) over i want to go to bed it's a sunday night i hate when that happens Mm. and like you have people over and you're just really tired but you can't leave. leave yeah so they left at 9.30 and they all walked back. It was about three blocks back to their house and they went to bed. Nice. The story. That's it. Best part of the story. They went to bed. That's it. The next morning, around 7.30, the other neighbour, not the one who had the kids, close by was a bit concerned because they hadn't heard anything coming from the house. Even though the house, they had um, animals, they had chickens and stuff. So Josiah would have been out like at like 5.30, really, letting the chickens out and stuff. Mm -hmm. She was a bit worried, and the kids weren't playing outside or anything. There was literally not a single noise coming from the house. So she went and, like, knocked on their door to be like, you guys slept in. I know you were partying last night. You guys must have – I know you were out partying late last night, but, uh, like, the chickens are hungry. So she lets the chickens out as well. She's such helpful. What a good neighbour. But she can't, she gets no, no response. response. So she calls Josiah's brother, Ross, who arrives at the house at about 8am, so half an hour later. And he finds a spare key, so he lets himself in. Here's the brutal stuff. He walked in, he said it was really quiet. And there was a back room that was like kind of the living room, but also some of the kids slept in there, I think. So he went in there and he saw two bodies covered with a sheet and then he ran out back into the the front of the house to that neighbour um, because he also saw a lot of blood. He was like, I know. Yeah, something dodgy's happened, let's call the police. Yeah, so he runs out of the house and he tells the neighbour, can you like, can you call the sheriff, please? I think something really bad has happened. And then he, he calls um, a man named Ed. Ed worked for the family. I don't know what he did. Who's to know? General um, Ed, he was like, Ed came over at half eight and he goes to Ed. 
I don't want to go back inside. Can you go inside and see how many people are dead in there? What if Ed said no? Why Why did Ed say yes? Why don't they just... Were the, was the sheriff not going to do that? He wasn't waiting for the sheriff, apparently. I don't know. This is 1912, man. Or That's every, weird, every though. Like, why would you not... Because the sheriff's going to have to do that anyway. Exactly. But I suppose you're feeling kind of urgent in that situation. Yeah. Maybe, know. like, to more check if there was anyone alive they could help, but... Yeah, like he didn't want to wait too long. Yeah. So Ed goes in and he comes running out after like only like two or three minutes. And he says that there was somebody dead in every single room of the house. And he also found the murder weapon. Well done, Ed. It was an axe. So it was like, it was like leaning against one of the walls and it was kind of cleaned up, but also not cleaned up. Looks like it tried to be clean, but wasn't. Yeah, yeah. So the local doctor, Dr. Cooper, was the first um, physician to arrive at the scene of the crime. And he basically went like to all of the rooms to kind of look at the bodies. And he could see like arms sticking out from underneath some of the sheets that were just covered in blood. He could see brains everywhere. Ugh. Um. He basically, he could not ident- he could not say, like, that one is Paul and that one is Sarah. He couldn't it say was who was like who. Mangled. Their heads were That's done, sad. bashed in badly. Side um, note, you know. the fact that their bodies were covered, doesn't that suggest that the killer knew them? Hold on to your thoughts, because more thoughts will come your way and make okay. you think more thoughts. Okay. That's my observation so far. <laughs> so the the murderer left some some weird like touches. Like I was here, so I've left things weirdly. One of them, I think is the weirdest, is there was a four pound like slab of bacon um left against the wall next to the axe. Like bacon that hadn't been sliced yet. He's like, um I'm, I'm the butcher. But not of the meat, of the people. Yeah. The murderer also searched through every single dresser drawer and pulled out pieces of clothing and covered every single window in every single mirror. Hmm. Windows, I understand. Like, oh, you don't want people to see mirrors? I have videos. Uh, I have pictures. It's weird. Not video. But that... Um, I might. I I wasn't there. There are things that I'm going to say later that kind of link to that, but like that's still such a weird thing. Mm. Um, and then finally, on the kitchen table, there was a plate, one plate of uneaten food and a bowl of bloody water. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was Uh, like, there's blood in my water. I don't want my breakfast anymore. Not the bodies putting me off it. It's just there's blood in my water. Oh my god! Or I'm was the food bacon now? Or was the food like someone someone in the families, and they were murdered I, as they were gonna eat? Don't. <laughs> like if the dad, especially if the dad or whatever, like got up early to let the chickens out and stuff. But was he already dead in the morning? Who knows? Mm-hmm. So 
Um, all the victims were found in their beds. Their heads were covered with sheets and all of them had had their heads beaten in about 20 to 30 times with the blunt end of the axe. So he didn't even really use the sharp. He just, Wait. like, stuck in. He might as well have just punched them. But yeah. Um, the On the ceiling, um, there were marks of where he'd gone to swing and he's whacked the ceiling he swung so high before hitting someone that's everywhere he must have been tall i think it was was it was a big axe oh and because i'd probably whack it to be fair if i did it i don't know it still would have to be a pretty long axe Mm. it wasn't like yeah it was kind of like on the walls and then also the ceiling like Uh, oh yeah um, and then there was a kerosene lamp that was found at the foot of Josiah and Sarah's bed, the parents, and one at the foot of the bed of the neighbours' girls. First of all, just a thought, how f***ing unfortunate you are yeah, to have a sleepover at your friends. Over, yeah. The one night. Lena and Ina. So Lena was sleeping downstairs in the spare bedroom with her sister. And her nightgown was like pushed, like pushed up, so she was exposed down there. But the doctors said that she hadn't been sexually abused. But then, how could they have really known that in 1912? Yeah, is my thinking. Because she was. That doesn't mean there was. There wasn't any sexual gratification behind it. Just because exactly could have just been a lift up and a proof of it. Yeah. Like, that could have been enough, just looking. She had a bloodstain on her knee, like like it had been cut, and on her Mm. arm. So they think that she was the only one to have not been... Because everyone else was asleep when they were killed, but she seemed to be the only person who was awake. And so she was, like, like, struggling. So she was probably the only person who saw who was doing all of that. But, like, like what does that mean? Because she's dead, so... Yeah, she just hadn't fallen asleep yet or something. Like, it's exactly. Not... Um, Sarah, one of Sarah's shoes was found on Josiah's side of the bed. And it was like lying on its side. There was blood inside the shoe. There was also blood underneath the shoe. I'm so, like, that baffles me. I've read this like five times and I don't understand how there's blood in the shoe. Unless it was like, like spatter, but I don't, I. Or it like dripped down and got inside the shoe yeah but it's lying sideways how does it get inside the shoe but maybe mm. like it got inside the shoe first and then he oh yeah or like it got knocked sideways true true um the strangest thing though was all of the doors were locked and the only way to lock the doors was from the inside there were no broken windows and there was no sign that anyone broke in Spooky. Possible suspects. Number one. So, they came home at, let's say, quarter to ten. They left at half nine and it's three blocks away. Mm-hmm. And then their bodies were found at 8.30 in the morning. Big so, we don't know what time they got killed. At 5.19am, there was a man named Reverend Lynn Kelly. And he left the town on a train. 
like got out of town that first thing that morning and allegedly told the people on the train that there were eight dead souls back in Villisca butchered in their beds while they sleep. Okay, gossiping, like you can talk about the murders, but well, how would had he the know? bodies been found yet? No, sir. That's very weird. Mm. But is that confirmed? Yeah, yeah. That, that is that. a confirmed thing that he said. And he repeated that later, like when police asked him. Well, that is a pretty sure sign to me. <laughs> right? More stuff about I don't this think, man. I know he's a reverend, but I don't think God told him that. Hot one. Give me five minutes. I'll tell you what God told him. God told Ow. him to do it. Don't jump in. So he had only arrived in the town that Sunday. And where did he go on that Sunday afternoon slash night? He the was church. The Sunday performing. Yes, sir. He was seen there. And then he left at 5 19. Two weeks after the murders, he came back. So this bit makes me laugh so damn much, man. Came back, and he, he's now posing as a detective. And he joined a tour of the murder house with a group of investigators. All he did was walk up to them and say, I'm a detective. And they were like, yeah, detectives, this way. You guys go look in the house, see what you can find. I know it was 1912, <laughs> but like... <laughs> can really what? just be whatever you want if you tell Honestly, people. back then, like, you could create an entire new identity for yourself and no one would question it. Because no one knew who he was, so... Yeah. Like, so he, he, where he went around looking around that house. We don't know what he did in that house. And that's also um, suspicious. Very suspicious. So they, the police then started to get more interested in him because... More people were coming forward saying that they've heard of him in other towns and that he had like a really questionable past. So he put he would put loads of ads in the local newspaper um, trying to find a young secretary to work for him, um, except it's not a normal secretary. They would have to be someone who would be willing to work nude. And I don't think he got any applicants. I wonder why. So comp- people complained and then he'd get in trouble. He was actually the son and grandson of like English ministers and stuff. So he people did know who he was. And I think that's why uh, he like- travels around to towns. Because he gets caught doing dodgy shit and then he moves along. Sounds um, like a very bizarre fellow. Yeah. But uh, as a teenager, he did actually have a mental breakdown. Um, mm. He preached at churches across North Dakota, Minnesota, Kansas and then Iowa. So he was kind of working his way around. Oh my god, you and know who he reminds me of? Who? Um what was that Netflix film? The one with um my bay in it? And Spider Man? Yeah, 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 yeah. The devil in yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That one the devil. I still haven't watched that. It's good. It's good. You should watch it, but, yeah, but I can't I swear man. he's a bad man. Yeah, he is. But that's why I'm saying he reminds me of him. Mm-hmm. I get that. Um, yeah, so he was he was the visiting minister. I don't know what that was. I'm guessing it's just a priest who used to travel around um to like several like small communities around the town. And he yeah. he was known as the guy with the odd behaviour. Do you wanna know what his odd behaviour was? 
why yes. everyone thought he was so odd. Not those ads. Not no. any of the weird shit. He just went on walks late at night. And apparently that was not a thing anyone ever did back then. And everyone was like, why is he walking around at night? Like, what does he need to be doing this late at night? I kind of see what they're saying, though. Like, it is a bit strange. But still, like, he must have done such weird shit. And they were like, he walks around late at night. He walks around when it's dark outside. <laughs> that is weird. It's way past we your bedtime. Yes, sir. So there were also rumours that he was a peeping Tom, um, that he had tried to convince a young girl to undress for him. He had another very mental much breakdown. Like <laughs> he had another mental breakdown. He was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. Hmm. And while he was staying at a mental hospital, he wrote a letter to someone, I can't remember who, saying that he expected at any moment to be arrested for the um, murders in that house. And they were like, why do you expect to be arrested? Like, no one knows who you are. Yeah. So, unless... He's really baiting himself out. This guy, man, if he just shut up and, like, kept his mouth shut, like... Um, so then a grand jury indicted him for Lena's murder, the neighbour's girl that had her nightdress pulled up. Um, and then he was interrogated throughout the summer before he went on trial. I've no idea why he was not charged for the other seven murders. Like, yeah. I can't find it anywhere. He was just one like, out of why eight. why does one of them... Just because like, she had defensive wounds. All of them. So yeah. why? I... Maybe because he, like, seemed pervy. And it was but, the like, only person Then it wouldn't make one. sense either because... Like, if he, if he did one of them, he had to have done all of the other ones. Yeah. they happened at the same time. He, like, there was... The other girl was in the same room, so he can't have just yeah. done one. I don't know. So, he went on trial um, on the 31st of August. He signed a confession saying, God had whispered to him, suffer the children to come on to me. God done told him to do it, so he done did it. So, he then... When his child started, he recanted that confession, said he never said any of it. Of course he did. Um, so they, the jury came back with 11 to 1 for acquittal, which is baffling to me. How did 11 of them say he didn't do it? And Even then, if he didn't do it, he doesn't seem like the most innocent person yeah, in other aspects. He should just be in jail anyway. Or, you know, in hospital probably would be better for him. Yeah. So but then I they mean, did it wasn't really. They did a second trial um, and the, uh, the second jury also acquitted him in the November. So he, he went on his merry way <laughs> to touch more girls. Oh, my God. Um, so there was some other, other suspects that people thought it would be. There was a guy in the town called Frank Jones. Frank, people thought he was the one who did the murders because he was also a very prominent businessman in um, Villisca and he was also a state senator of Iowa. He ran a store called the Jones Store. Yes. His name is Frank Jones. Very good. Um, and Mr. Moore, the guy who got worked mm. for him and they were like best buds. He was like employee of the month. Mm. Um, 
So one day, Mr. Moore, Josea, if I can, surprises Frank with his notice. He says, I'm quitting. Um, and he's like, okay, but why? And he's like, I want to start my own business. And he was like, okay, you can do that. What did what did Mr. Moore do? He set up a street down the road from from the Jones store, and he's selling the exact same stuff as Frank. He could have made it a little <laughs> bit comfortable. He was but, like, "I like your business. I like Goodbye. your business. Let me steal your business model and all your clients." Yes, sir. So people think because Frank was like so annoyed. Um, he killed the whole family. This guy denied it completely. He said he did nothing to do with it. And they never found anything like that would link him to it. So they ruled him out. Then they thought if he was a prominent businessman and a senator, he would have the money to pay someone to do it. Because why get your own hands dirty if you don't that have That makes to? more sense. So they think <laughs> that he paid a man called William Mansfield to kill the family because... William was a cocaine-loving serial killer. What? Yeah. In fact, cocaine, and he liked to kill. So therefore it had to have been him. It had to have been him. I do have some more information. And it definitely wasn't the other first guy. Who said he done did it. Who said he did it and knew things about it before it had even been found out by the police. Anyone knew. Or anyone. Yeah. No one. So, so yeah, baffling. they think they think it was the. There was just like one detective that really thought it was this serial killer. He they didn't know he was a serial killer at that point. They were like, "Oh yeah, you serial killer that's still yeah." It must have been that serial killer guy. <laughs> they thought it was him. Well, one detective thought it was him. Also, this guy had been in prison before. Like he didn't do all of them and then get arrested. He like did a few and then came out and did a few more and then came out. Um, so they were like, "You the." The killings were done in the same way he used to kill people, like always with an axe, and all the mirrors and um, windows were always um, covered. So they were like, Oh, I see. So that is quite a specific thing. Also, Mansfield never, Mansfield always wore gloves not to leave fingerprints, which makes a lot of sense to us. But in 1912, that was not a thing people knew to do. Nobody did that. Like, why would they ever think that they could lift fingerprints off of an axe? Yeah, that's so true. That's why they thought it was him, because they couldn't find any fingerprints. They knew that someone had, like, um, worn gloves. And also Mansfield's fingerprints were on file because he had been arrested for yeah. other murders. So he knew that they, if they could lift them, they could get him. Yes, yeah, so this detective was like, this is the guy, we're going to pin it on him. And they had nothing on him apart from the fact that you've killed other people, like, similarly. So, Mr. Man- Mansfield actually like sued that detective and was awarded um, over two and a half, two and a half grand, which is a lot of money in nineteen twelve. Yeah, in nineteen twelve, Jesus. Why not? I mean, so, last it's kind of fair enough though. Like, well, yeah. Imagine like a serial killer being like, "No, I killed like all those other people, but not." I, those. Yeah, I'll admit, I did kill a lot of people, but not those ones. Not them. And why is it so bad that you can add like eight to your body count if you are a serial killer? It's not going to make much of a difference. Billy likes it. Mm. And a lot of serial killers like want to claim stuff like that. Yeah. I think that's what they hoped he was going to say. Yeah. He's like, "Mm, 
Okay, yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) The last person that people think it was is another serial killer. There are many going about, apparently. This guy's name is Henry Moore. No relation to the Moore family. They just have the last... (laughs) His dad. So it's not funny. His dad. Um, Yeah, he's not actually related. Apparently it was a common name. Because he also killed... He killed his mum and his grandma in Missouri with an axe. So they thought it was him because they killed with an axe. Is Missouri much close? Iowa, Iowa? Missouri? Iowa, I, I want to say yes. Same, but I don't know anything about America. I'm to Google. Google. Okay, well, they're next to each other. Like oh, okay, states. cool. Oh, cool. Yeah, but it's still like a five and a half hour drive. Oh, and geez. that's now. So, don't know. God knows how long, how fast those horses can go. Um, yeah so that was all he just like he they he liked to use an axe and they were like it's him and he did he did cover the mirrors and windows also so why is that a thing that they did i've never heard of that right all of these guys did it i understand like you said the mirror the the windows but the mirrors like do they not want to look at themselves while they're killing people i guess so i was thinking like that's the only reason i could yeah fathom weird do that and henry as not like mansfield henry liked to wipe the axe clean after after killing which was a thing that was there but he was never charged they could never find anything to do with him i think they were just trying to pin it on someone who likes to use axes fair enough yeah so josiah's sister came to the house after the murders to have like a look round. And she noted that it was very odd that the family kept the spare bedroom and they didn't, nobody slept in it. Like, to her, because it, it was made up, the girls were, like, sleeping on the floor. They weren't in the bed, um, but the bed was made. So she was mm-hmm. like, that, because back in those times, you didn't really have a room in your house for guests. If they ever came, like, you would just all, like, move around if someone happened to come yeah. to them. So. To have a room that was dedicated to when people came over that was made, or oh, hold the thought, don't think it. They, she was thinking, surely they had someone staying with them that was not the girls. Who was it? The priest guy, because he came from somewhere else and he was visiting and he was like, I'm at this party and I have nowhere to stay tonight. And they're like, we have a spare room. You can come and stay with us. And, then, and that's why there was, it didn't look like anyone broke in. Well, there's, a, there's another thing. Ooh. So they basically, the, the sister thinks that they either expected someone to stay with them that night or someone already was staying with them, but who knows. Um, but the, where the girls were sleeping um, in the other room, um, there was a wardrobe and in the wardrobe there were several bags of like cotton in there like in the bottom i think that's a normal thing i don't know what cotton batting is to me i'm like picturing like you know like you have like duvet covers sometimes in the bottom of your wardrobe yeah like, you need it like like extra bedding things that's what i'm picturing so yeah but it it had the mark of someone either sat in there or stood in there. So they think that there was somebody hiding in the wardrobe. 
I uh I don't I don't like That's that. Terrifying. Yeah. Or so, alternatively, you know how that one girl they think that one girl was alive? Yeah. If they had a guest. Maybe she was awake and she found out what was happening. Like she heard something. So you went to hide in there. Mm. But then he found her because he knew like she had to be somewhere. I don't know. Maybe. That's but then like it. would a twelve year old girl leave like proper like in indents in somewhere? Or is she that heavy that she would leave indents like Yeah. In if you stood on a duvet Duvets are not like it's not like she stood on I'm just assuming it's a duvet. Um yeah, no, I'm just trying to give that... an example of like something soft. Like yeah. if a child stands on the bed, you can see the mark where they stood. Yeah, but like for days after. If nobody had moved it since, then yeah. Mm. I think the 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 theory that everyone thinks is that they were waiting for them when they came home in mm. the wardrobe, and then they waited until they went to sleep. But how did they get out of the house? If How the did doors they get were in the, the house inside. and the doors were locked without breaking in? <gasps> I have a theory. <laughs> they took, it could be the priest guy, but they took someone home from that service and made them a plate of food and a, bo- and a bowl of water. A bowl and of they water? just said, it was a bowl of water. A bowl of bloody water. No, it was a bowl. Drink it's a dog. So they tried to feed the person and then they raged the f- out and killed them all. But I just don't understand how they killed all of them and didn't get out of the house. But if there were, they were like, say if it was a priest, for example, he did not seem like the most mentally stable person. Mm. So maybe he would want to hang around. God said you can't leave until the morning. Or. They didn't get out of the house because they there were like no trains or something, so they just couldn't leave. So they thought, "I'll hide here." Yeah, but then how did they get out? Because he was on that train at at twenty past five, and nobody opened the door with the spare key until eight o'clock in the morning. Well, how do you know that? Because that's when the brother opened the door at eight, and the guy was seen on the train. The family's key. Yeah, but the door was locked from the inside. So how does he get out of the house and lock yeah, the door? And lock it on the inside. And he was seen on that train, so he 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 was out. How did yeah. he get out? Wait, but so if it was all locked from the inside, how did anyone get out? Well, no like, one got whoever out. Whoever did it, how did they get out? That's the thing. That's that's what I'm baffled by. It. Unless they were like, I thought maybe they were still in the wardrobe. Like they did all the killings, and then they sat in the wardrobe and waited for someone to come in and see, find the bodies. And there were so many people around, like the, the investigators and the, the the doctor guy, and he just blended in and left. I feel like they weren't thinking then. That's possible. That's my thinking. That's the only way I can see someone ever getting out of their house. I just still like I'm so convinced about the reverend guy because. How can he? How could he know? That's the thing. How did he say eight bodies were um, beaten it's in their sleep? It's way too specific to, to yeah. not have known something. It's madness. 
So yeah, you can go to and visit their house if you live in Iowa. It's a it's a historic site now. And all Me of the goes to, to solve the murder. Yes, sir. All of the things are still covered up, the windows and the, the mirrors. Oh, I don't what uh like everything's the same. Hold on, let me show you. Like they That's spooky, I don't like it. It's a spooky ooky house. Like they their bedding's still there. Can you still see the marks in the cotton in the wardrobe? <laughs> That's what I'm trying to look for, man. But yeah, it's interesting to see like the, the bedrooms are still the same and the like the covers and the marks on the ceilings because I bloody held that was an axe. And there's a picture of the axe as well. Mm. I'm not going to go looking for it now. I need to uh, puke. <sighs> well... That was a case where, even though it's unsolved, I feel like it was kind of solved. Did they just let that priest go? They were like, yeah, no, you're fine, dude. Yeah, I wonder wonder what became of him. Maybe I'll Google it. Mm. (laughs) Hopefully he went to prison for being a nonce or something. I highly doubt it, but I'll hope for it. I doubt it, but I hope so. <laughs> Get to moving, turn. moving on to my case, which, unlike yours, is a case that has absolutely nobody to pin it on. Oh? There, there is really no idea. Mm-hmm. So, a ghost? Okay. Today, I am going to be talking about the murder of Dr. Michael Spike Meenigan, as he was known. Because... An author called like Spike Milligan or something? Yeah, that, Not that's him. why his nickname was Spike, because Meenigan sounds like Milligan. Uh... Yeah, but I'm just I... going to be referring to him as um, Michael. So... On the afternoon of December the 10th, 1994, Michael Spike Meenigan sat down at his home in Oxford to watch the football on TV because he was a very big Celtic fan. Yes, and sir. he decided to make himself a cup of tea, so he went to the kitchen. There, from the darkness of Michael's small back garden, a killer fired one shot through the kitchen window with a 12-bore shotgun hitting Michael in the chest. You know, all he wanted was a cup of tea. All he wanted to do was watch the highlights, drink some tea. He managed to crawl across the floor to his landline phone, which is like mounted on the wall. Mm. Called 999, but he was too weak to speak. The Aww. operator only heard him struggling to breathe. So they, uh, so the operator like traced his call and mm-hmm. they sent ambulance and police and everything there but despite this michael had died by the time the emergency services arrived his postmortem revealed that he died from severe chest injuries and a loss of blood but who was michael and why would somebody want him dead Mm -hmm. well he was originally from sterling in scotland and now he lived on an estate in oxford In his professional life, he was a doctor of biochemistry at Oxford University. Oh, 
Cool. He had spent the previous four years researching molecular biology of proteins involved in cell adhesion. Don't ask me what that means because I don't know, but that's what it I said. Know, I know exactly what all of that means, but I'm not going to tell you because it would just take me too long. Yeah. Uh, it's too complex for you to understand. I don't think you would understand. Yeah. <laughs> but his work in no way seemed controversial. And it wasn't like, you know, risky research. It didn't involve DNA fingerprinting. Um, so it wasn't going to put pharmaceutical companies out of money because, you know, they like to... And he wasn't doing, like, cloning or anything. Um, I don't think he even was allowed to work with animals in the lab that he had. Like, oh. they literally did not even work on animals. So, yeah. Well, then... He had been married at 20 years old, but uh, they had separated four years later. He had an 11-year-old son, and along with the divorce, he, could, he couldn't afford to live in an expensive flat because his salary was only, like, 18k a year, Ooh. which is very bad. Um, therefore, he lived on a rather crime-riddled council estate in Oxford, uh, which had a reputation for joyriders. Mm. He also had a very complex love life, but we'll talk, well, not very complex, but a bit of a tangled love life, but we'll talk mm. about that more in a moment. So what's odd about this murder is that there were no motives, there were no suspects, and no leads. Oh. There was, little to, there was little to no evidence to go on. The gun and the cartridge were never found. There were no witnesses in the area who claimed to see anything suspicious. Literally nothing. There were nothing. no cameras in the council estate? The neighbours said that they did hear the gunshot, but nobody thought it was a gunshot. They assumed it was something like um, a car backfiring. Firework. Or... Yeah, somebody else said it sounded like a light bulb exploding. To be fair, I wouldn't assume a gun yeah, had gone off. if I heard a big gun. bang, I wouldn't think, oh, it's a gunshot. I Especially think I've heard a gunshot in real person. There were also no footprints, despite the ground being frosty. Oh, a ghost? Okay. <laughs> the killer probably approached Michael's home in the cul-de-sac through allotments, which joined the back of his garden. Right. And there were two men who spent the Saturday afternoon in an allotment hut. But they had been drinking heavily, <laughs> and they said they didn't see anything. So. <laughs> spent the afternoon drinking in an allotment hut? My God, what an afternoon. I know, right? So much fun. Mm. After interviewing friends and family, police found that Michael was actually a really funny and popular guy. It didn't seem that he had any enemies at all, and he felt really at home in the council estate that he lived. Um, they also found that he was not particularly house-proud. He hung sheets rather than curtains on the windows. Okay. Similar to <laughs> similar to your case. Oh. Um, the kitchen murder? window was the only one uncovered, and he didn't do the gardening like it was really overgrown and unkempt. 
Ooh. Some points of interest. These are the most like weird parts of this case that I mm-hmm. read. And there's probably other explanations for them, but it does seem a little bit sus. So, his neighbours said that he had increased the security at his house, and he would draw his curtains, or, well, the sheets, sheets. all day, and he kept his doors locked. Okay. And he had also made his phone number ex-directory in the 12 months before his death. What does that mean? So I think that means he took it like out of the you know when like yellow pages and stuff. Yeah, was like I think he was trying to be not contacted. Took it out there. Yeah, Isn't it mad. The yellow pages was a thing. Yeah, you number. I don't think I ever used it. Like I don't think my mom ever said like we need a number for someone. Go look in the yellow pages. I think I used it as like a heavy book. Yeah. I don't think we have used it either. Now it's all online. Mm. The police simply could not find any leads. And there were so many rumours that they began to look into the rumours. Um, these included drugs, an alleged row with neighbours, and the fact that a convicted rapist lived near him. But oh. those all led to nothing. Um, Fun. Yep. Yeah. Police then turned to look at his love life. So, they found that he had lived with a psychology student named Jenny until the previous Easter. And apparently, towards the end, things in their relationship had become kind of stormy. One argument had only ended when the police were called. And another time, Michael had been attacked with a pair of scissors by a woman, but I don't it didn't specify who the woman was, if it was Jenny or I don't know. Someone else. But also going from like scissors to a shotgun. Yeah. Is a bit much. Um anyway, after this he had been seeing a woman called Denise. And she was a married woman from Birmingham. Oh. And Michael was apparently about to sell his house and live with her. Oh. Um, he was due to actually meet her that Saturday night to go to a gig at a pub. Um, but when he didn't arrive, she drove to his house. And that was when the, all the police were there and stuff. And she was really shocked. Like, mm-hmm. So people are thinking, did either Jenny or Denise's husbands or partners want revenge? Yeah. And that's what the detectives wanted to question. In fact, Denise and her husband were estranged. They lived separate lives, but stayed together for the sake of their three children. So that's why mm-hmm. they could, um, he could have lived with her. So both women and Denise's husband were interviewed at length, but they all had solid alibis. And finally, the detective superintendent, Blair, was convinced that a personal motive did not lie behind Michael's killing. Ooh. Other theories kept coming in. Michael had disturbed a burglar. He had fallen foul of local drug dealers and was living in fear of his life, uh, which would explain the sheets over his windows. Yeah. The director thing. Or he was a target of animal liberationists. 
and he was a victim of a contract hitman. What the hell is going on with this man's life? I know, these were all rumours and theories about what had happened. So let's look into each of them. Um, So, two weeks after the shooting, at exactly the same time, police cordoned off the estate and spoke to everyone on the streets. They even stopped buses and interviewed passengers. And they found all of these theories out. So, the theory that he was a victim of animal rights extremists was quickly ruled out because Michael was a molecular biochemist. So his laboratory was not licensed for animal experiments. Cool. So that would not be a thing. But the again, the detective superintendent Blair, he looked very closely at the other three theories. Firstly, that it was a case of mistaken identity. Oh, so yeah. From computer records of local criminals, police tracked down a dozen men of similar height and build to see if this was uh, like a hitman execution gone wrong. Michael's home backed onto an allotment, as I said, so perhaps the intended victim lived in a similar location and detectives checked loads of the houses in the area, but again, drew a blank. Yeah. Second, the killer was a burglar that Michael had disturbed. If he heard a noise, it would explain why he had left the television and gone into a darkened kitchen, like he hadn't turned the light on. Ah. Uh, he went to the kitchen to make his cup of tea. Right. Um, and it was just as the football results were due, which is why he was watching. Right. So why would he leave when that was going to come on? Like the one part that he needed. <laughs> Mm. His house had been burgled and ransacked in the months before his death, apparently. Following the break-in, he changed all of the locks. He also changed his phone number uh, because burglars are known to return to a house once the owner has had the chance to replace the stolen goods. Oh, yeah. But not very likely for a burglar to be carrying a shotgun. No, sir. And third theory was that a drug-crazed thug had wandered into Michael's back garden and fired through the window just for the hell of it. Methinks that's not the one. (laughs) No, something tells me. I mean, apparently the area he lived in was quite a bad area and there was a lot of crime. But Still, it's so random. Mm. Detective Superintendent Blair offered a £10,000 reward in the hope that it would encourage people on the estate to talk up. Mm -hmm. Was Michael the victim of a professional hitman? Mr. Blair does not believe so. Mm. He said that it doesn't stack up and that the shooting was amateur. One shotgun blast through a window is by no means certain to kill. Also, it's loud, right? If you're a if you're a hitman, you do like silences in the lot. Silencer, yeah. And he also said Spike reached the phone and might well have lived. A contract killer would have gone to the front door, yeah. rung the bell, and shot his victim twice with a handgun. Yeah. Like they would have made sure it was done. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, Michael's mother Pat 
took her son back home to Stirling to be buried next to his father. And on the 20th anniversary of his murder, a reward of £20,000 was offered jointly by Crime Stoppers and Thames Valley Police, which was valid for three months. But despite this, no evidence has been brought forward and sadly the police are no closer to solving the murder of Dr. Michael Spike Meenigan. That's so... That's so random. (laughs) Like... I know. What? That's so random. That Um, doesn't happen often in this country. Like... No. What? And it's just so bizarre because thinking of the hitman thing, Mm. it makes sense that it was someone who didn't know him Mm -hmm. who did it. But then the way that it was done doesn't make sense to be a hitman. professional. Mm. Hmm. But if it was a case of mistaken identity, that also doesn't really add up because, again, if it was a hitman, they would have done it a different way. But if it was somebody who knew who they wanted to kill, surely they would know that it was the wrong person. Yeah, that's not an easy mistake to make. Yeah, you would either make sure you knew where they lived or you looked at them properly. Yeah. To make sure it was them. Like, I don't I don't think it could be a mistaken identity. Gosh, that's just like, there's nothing that would make sense. Like, nothing. It's just weird anything. as well because they would have had to be in waiting in the garden. Yeah, and then they saw him. So it had and to then have been planned. Mm-hmm. Because someone just doesn't walk along a garden and just shoot into a house for the shits and giggles. Because he lived in a cul-de-sac as well, so they couldn't have been, like, walking down the road. They would have had to specifically like, go down, go the, down the road. There. Yeah. Hmm. Very weird. Hmm. I just thought it was so strange. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. There's literally no reason for it. No. Gosh, that's mad. And if it was, you know, a crazy person, mm. like, I feel like some they would have done something else. Yeah, like, afterwards. they would have had a no. night of it. Yeah, or, you know, they would have killed again. Yeah. Maybe not in the same night, but... Still. Who knows, like, a few weeks. Yeah, especially after, if they never like, found the gun or anything. Mm-hmm. It was just very weird, I don't get it and everyone else had alibis like very solid alibis yeah and i don't think um his girlfriend's husband would have cared if they were estranged no exactly that doesn't make sense either literally nothing for it adds up Hmm. who knows that's just what do you think is most likely see i don't know because the more i think about it like I I feel like it has to be someone planned it because the fact that they sat, like, in the garden waiting. But then, like, it can't have been professional because of the gun they used and, like, they didn't... They potentially, like, nearly didn't finish the job. Yeah, he could have lived. Yeah, exactly. That's so... I don't even know. But the only thing I can think of is that Someone, like, one of the friends or family that was interviewed pretended that they had a good relationship, but they'd recently had an argument or something. And who's They were the only ones who knew about it. Yeah. 
Because that would make sense for why it was so unprofessional. But yeah. at the same time, why no, nobody knows anything. But it was planned. Yeah, yeah, good point. Hmm, a tricky one. Hmm, very tricky. And let us know what you guys think. Yeah, yeah. Because very bizarre. It really annoys me because it's like, how, how does that make sense? Yeah, because like... It just doesn't. With, I want to know. <laughs> with like the ones like, like that I did and like ones where it's like they give you like three or four suspects and then you like pick which one you think. Like there's nothing, even though there are theories, like none of them make sense. So there's yeah, nothing. And they never had, like. they never got further than it just being a theory that they looked into. Like there were yeah. never any no suspects or anything apart no. from Denise and everyone. But well, yeah, but. they pulled out quickly because they had the alibis. Exactly. So I think we shall leave it there for today. That was a fun internet sleuths. It was. Both very interesting cases, me thinks. Now I've got to start looking for a really scary creepypasta story. Ooh. And try not to scare myself in the process. Thank you all so much for watching slash listening. If you're watching on YouTube, then please like, subscribe, comment, share with your friends, all the usual stuff. If you're listening on any streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, please add your library and share with your friends once again. Um, follow us on Twitter and on TikTok at We Not Sisters, two S's on the TikTok at the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can keep up to date with us and the podcast and we post fun things sometimes. Yeah. More on TikTok than Twitter, but... I, I need to get back on my TikTok grind. I have many things, yes. many thoughts, but I have not done them. Soon come. Be be on the lookout for yes, TikTok content. It's coming. It's coming. We'll see you all next week with another Creepypasta showdown. Yeah, yeah. Everyone That's get your vaccinations. Fun. Yes, get your vaccinations. So we can have a little summer. Oh, yeah. That's it from us. Bye. Bye.